In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting and kunyans. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi everyone, it's January 6th, 2012, and you're listening to episode 23 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. Happy Happy New Year! Year! Okay, yeah, we're a little bit late. Sorry. My (laughs) bad. There were issues. Maggie's car was not cooperating. No, no. Decided to ring in the new year with car problems. Yes. (laughs) Dang it. Which, considering we wanted to podcast New Year's Day and there's no bus service on New Year's Day... Was problem. Was slightly a problem. Yes. And which was slightly a problem the next day, too, because the bus system stops running here at a... Certain time. Yeah, certain time of the evening. But car problems have all been resolved. She is now behaving. She? Her name's Luna. That's a very fitting name, considering it's kind of quirky and... It's a white car. Yeah, as the game where Luna Lovegood. Okay, yeah, there's that, bad-iness. too. There's that, too. <laughs> she, she has her personality traits. Yes. Anyway, so, Happy New Year, guys! I hope everybody had a really good holiday. And on this day that we are recording, it is Epiphany. Yay, 12th day of Christmas. 12th day of Christmas, my true love said to me. 12 somethings. 12 skeins of all mice. Oh yeah, 12 skeins of all mice. <laughs> but more on that later. Okay, fine. Okay, so Adventures in Knitting, would you like to talk about your gifties? Okay, gifties, gifties. So, what we Christmas in my family, we did a Secret Santa. And this Secret Santa program that I used the online service for, everybody just basically got the other partner. So I got my mom, she got me. My dad and my brother got each other. It was like, oh, come on, you couldn't have mixed it up just a little bit more? Anyways, so my mom... I guess the point is they don't know. That yeah, they don't, they don't know. Them. So my mom was very generous, and she got me a gift certificate to Webbs and a gift certificate to Blue Moon Fiber Arts. Ooh. Yes. So I've been scoping out both, going, okay, I could get this, or I can get this and this, or I can get this, and of course it's that whole gift certificate, ooh... You know, I can't spend this money on bills. I just can't. It's no. just not possible. <laughs> so, but then you have to pick something good. Yes. You have to squeeze as much as you can out of it. Yep. But also, just before I went down for Christmas, last day possible, I got my Christmas swap package from a knitter in Texas. Mm-hmm. We were on the Christmas swap that was on Ravelry. And in the swap, I think I talk, talked about this the last time. You had to include yarn bit, yeah. and, you know, a little handmade something. She sent me Volmice! Holy crap! And it's very pretty, Volmice. Yes, well, Karen would say that because it is teal. <laughs> yes, a nice, lovely, rich, dark teal. This is like a jewel tone teal. Yoink! Hey, hey, give me, hey. <laughs> I will be checking your bosom before you leave tonight. <laughs> really? Um, anyways, thankfully, like she on the other, she sent me a Christmas stocking as the you know little handmade gifty, mm-hmm. and she was going on and on about the bag that I made her. So I'm glad she really liked it. Yay! She she was really happy with it, and I'm just like, uh, but uh, but volmice. You like <laughs> you're like holy crap! Sent me like volmice, and she's like, yeah, and you sent me a bag. I love it. <laughs> this is kind of like the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. With so. the Leonard Nimoy yes. <laughs> signature. <laughs> that is my favorite moment of Big Bang, honestly. Anyways, okay. That was my Christmas, and I did get to see my brother, the one that I've been knitting the handsome mittens for, like forever and ever and ever, amen. Mm-hmm. He did open them, and 
he says that they fit perfectly. Yay! Yay, and there are pictures of him wearing them. I know this is hard to imagine down in the Bahamas, but yes, he did. <laughs> I'll have to get a hold of them and upload them to Ravelry as part of my finished pictures. He put them on for 10 seconds until yeah, he, they he spontaneously felted because of the heat down there <laughs> and the amount of sweat pouring off his hands. Yeah. He was playing with my son, yeah. covering his eyes and stuff like that. Oh, Yeah, everybody got lots of little boy time. He Not had, enough by the sound of what you were saying. Well, <laughs> he, you got uh, back. he got coloring books of Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, boy. And he got also these little, it was a little, you know, the cardboard type satchel that has four little board books in it. And he would make people read these books to him over and <laughs> over. Because that's what preschoolers right. do. And you survived. I did survive. It was sometimes it was a near miss. 50 people on Boxing Day. Damn. And they, they Especially just, considering the epic amount of cooking you had done for the Christmas dinner the day before. I've, I've already explained to Karen what our Christmas dinner looked like. For the first time in what seemed like a millennia, there were only five of us at Christmas dinner. Mm -hmm. Normally, in all of my memories, we have uncles, aunts, cousins, somebody who didn't have family on the island. Minimum, it was like 10 people for Christmas. This was the first time in my memory all of us were there and all of us were adults mm -hmm. because this was past 8 o'clock, so Aiden was in bed. And still, my mother made turkey, ham, stuffing, the sweet potatoes with the marshmallow on the top. I think it was also, there was also coleslaw, the beets, and potato salad, and... There's one other thing that I'm forgetting. And by the time we had gotten through that, there was still the Christmas pudding that everybody was just too full and too tired for. <laughs> so we decided we would put it out the next day for Boxing Day instead, which, by the way, we did not use any of the Christmas foods for. We made all new food for. It was an open house, and it was chowders. And my mother went to... it. I say this jokingly, by the way. She went back in time to medieval Europe and said, give me one of them big Macbeth cauldrons. <laughs> no, better yet, give me two. And she made two different types of... One was a conch chowder and one was a fish chowder. And I remember putting on my status on Facebook, I now know why there were only a couple loaves and fishes to feed the 5,000. My mother has everything else in her kitchen. <laughs> because we had three pans of Johnny cake, which is... It's not really a cake, it's more like a... A sweet bread to eat yeah. with your stew or eat with your soup. We had three pans of it. We didn't make it through the first. And I'm not talking loaf pan. I am talking like full the full rectangular sheet pan. <laughs> I made seven dozen mince tarts, and that was a that will do because she wanted two hundred to begin with. Yes, and you still didn't finish all. We of didn't them. finish all of them. I, I have make a bigger dent. In I them. have no idea what was done with all of the leftovers. I hope to God some hungry people came to visit. After I left. Week. And the thing is, we didn't want to browbeat mom about it because from the time we got there, she had a head cold. A head cold at Christmas when your three darlings that have mm -hmm. flown the nest come back and you're hosting for 50. Yeah. All not fun. Which is why I was trying to take as much as I could off of mom's plate to so that she could go lie down and nap. Mm -hmm. and... So not much knitting getting done then. Oh, God, no. I did during the Boxing Day celebration. It was an open house where we had friends come over. And I specifically invited some people from my high school days that I was really happy to see. And really. Mm -hmm. And while we were sitting out on the back patio, I went and got my knitting. I'm like, I don't, these are people that have known me from whenever, forever in a day. They can't deal with the fact that I knit. 
that's just too bad. And I just went back out and I started knitting. And they're like, oh, what you knitting? Show me, show me, show me. And I'm, I happily talked about it. But yeah, I like you need I, an excuse to evangelize. I know, but <laughs> I only got about 10 rows done. I was doing the second paper moon sock while I was down there. I tried twice to get the heel right on this sock. I don't get it. The first sock I knit in my sleep, it came out beautifully. The second sock I'm paying attention to with all of the instructions and everything, but apparently this thing did not want to be knit in the Caribbean. I had to rip back twice, and it wasn't until all of us got together back in Canada on New Year's Day. I had a stern talk with this sock. Apparently, at that point, the sock agreed that now was the time. It was waiting for the new year, apparently, because... Well, see, it was waiting for you to get home, yeah. and away from the crazy, yeah. and have a couple days of <laughs> downtime before, you know, your brain could focus on something like that. So, anyways, ultimate... Even as little as the Paper Moon socks need, need. need focus. So, ultimate end of that, Paper Moon socks are done. Yay! Done and sewn in on my feet. They're still for me, because I'm still knitting for me, obviously. Because this is new for me to knit for me, I'm still getting the hang of when to stop the foot to start the heel. Yeah. I noticed that one sock fits better than the other, mm -hmm. because I was paying closer attention to when the heel should start. It's going to be a practice thing, obviously. I made some pretty crappily sized socks <laughs> when I was doing it. I still do occasionally. Because I'm getting too optimistic about when I should start the heel. I did finish one of the Maevas. Ooh. It's pretty. Very pretty. And I did make quite a bit of headway on my linen stitch. Yep, you got a couple inches there. Yeah. It is a lot of stitches. Yeah. Because you're knitting it lengthwise. But like you were saying earlier, you do about three rows a night. Yeah. And make another little tassel. Make a tassel and call it, you know, call it that for the night. Yeah, and if you keep doing that, you know, eventually it will get done. I keep, it's just a stitch marker that, the ones that look like baby poppy pins. Yep. I keep that on the side and on the edge that I'm supposed to start at. Because yeah. obviously if you leave, you, you cut the yarns off at each end, you're going to lose track of which like, end uh, you're supposed to start on. <laughs> Where am I supposed to start again? Right. Because so, this is like loose and free and all sorts of stuff like that. So that's what I've been doing. And as soon as I finish the second Maeva sock, I am casting on a Tosh sweater, damn it. I am skipping the Cascade Evendim. I'm going straight to Tosh. I don't know why. It just crystallized that way in my head. Because you want to. Yeah. Because you are inspired. I'm trying to get very zen. A, a lot of people started making resolutions or whatever. I'm trying to go very zen with my knitting. Mm -hmm. just be one with the knitting and it will happen. Yep. So just I do what I just you feel, feel. I just feel that it is the right next step to do. Yep. Just do what you feel impelled to do. Oh, and the only other thing I'm going to add about my Christmas. Aiden woke me up. And... Brought him, I brought him out, and we went out into the back patio because Bahamas, so it's nice and sunny. Yeah. I said, Aiden, guess what? It's Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. And he sort of looked at me, looked around. No snow. <laughs> I said, no, no snow. How Christmas if there's no snow? That is a whole other discussion. Well, you see, Aiden, let me explain the equator to you and the movement of the sun. And <laughs> Anyways, that was my own... <laughs> That's it. You'll, I'll tell you when you're older and you can actually comprehend it. Yeah. Not that, you know, had you been here, there would have been any snow either. Sure as <laughs> that's true. Any. Yeah, it seems like the snowflake fairies haven't made it this far. Yeah. So that's you? Yep. Well, that's, that's me. <laughs> that's me. Okay. So I had a Christmas that was night and day. Basically, my brother and sister-in-law and my mother's one brother that actually lives in the, in the province came to our place on the 23rd. Right. My dad's side of the family came to our house on the 24th, which meant we had 17 people in our house, which would sound like nothing to your mother, but which is, 
is pretty crazy for it's us. still... Especially when you have my crazy aunts and cousins. There you go. Where there... there was... You think we're bad on this podcast. Oh, really? Penalty box, man. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's not even like they're drinking. But yeah, so it was crazy on Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day. Like, my... Brother and sister-in-law left late New Year's Eve to drive up to her parents. My uncle, uh, my mother's brother, went to go back to Toronto on New Year's, on Christmas Eve. So it was basically just mom and I on Christmas Day, which was nice and quiet. That's really nice. After the craziness, mom and I just basically watched Cranford. It's like, woo! And there was enough leftovers from dinner the night. We had the big turkey dinner and everything the night before, so, you know, there was enough leftovers for the two of us to have Christmas dinner and relax and watch more of the I think we watched Cranford and then a couple of the Christmas specials that we had on the DVR I'm suddenly getting a craving for turkey and sweet potatoes and stuffing oh god Maggie I'm sorry go buy a turkey breast tomorrow I probably am. <laughs> yeah, so I got lots of knitting time on the holiday. Good for you. And actually, to begin with, I my sister-in-law, I think as I mentioned on an earlier podcast, my brother had told me that my sister-in-law was thinking of getting into knitting, or at least trying it. So I did make up a little learn-to-knit kit for her with some bamboo needles, short bamboo straight needles, and some Patton's Classic Wool, and a little instruction book that basically just has, like, learn to knit, learn to purl. Oh, I just remembered. I just remembered. My cousin, the one that I made the... Happy Socks of Peace Transformation. Yes. My husband delivered them during the family Christmas gathering that I yeah. was not able to attend. Not only did they fit right, but found out that she has started knitting. So I passed along the podcast. <laughs> Hi, if you're listening. Okay, yeah, so we did our gifts with my brother and sister-in-law and uncle on the 23rd, and she was like, ooh, and she started, like, that night, she started sort of figuring out how to do it, and I was showing her how, and then I got home from work, as I were, had to work from 9 to 2 on Christmas Eve, I got home from work, and she had, like, a couple, few inches of knitting, like, I think it was even, like, two or three inches That's good. knitting, That's it looked good pretty for, good, yeah, for a beginner. Yeah. She'd added maybe a couple stitches somewhere, but... That's pretty standard Nothing major, for, yeah. And, yeah, that's pretty standard for a noob. I remember my, like, the very first thing my grandmother taught me to knit, and to this day, in my head, it looks like a set of brief underwear, because it starts really <laughs> small and narrow, and I just kept yeah. adding stitches and adding stitches and adding stitches until I got... It just looks like the silhouette of underwear. Yeah. Same here. I think everybody <laughs> does. So yeah, she was going like gangbusters. And then, of course, for Christmas, I got some knitting stuff. <laughs> Including some knitting stuff from England, from my mother. One of the things I have right here is... Sheepy wool. Yeah, she went to a yarn store. Seriously, where else would wool come from? Well, see, over in England, wool is sort of a generic term for yarn, so they call them wool shops. Probably because for the longest time, wool was the kind of fiber that you got. At wool shop. She went to a few yarn stores over there. And she went to Ram Shambles in York, again, mm-hmm. which I mentioned where I got that self-striping sort of yarn. And this stuff is, it's sort of a heathery light gray double knitting. And it's basically from a farm from the Acer Flock at End Cottage in Howden. They didn't give you the name of the sheep it came from? No, well, because it's probably a blend of like I, all the no, sheep. No, I'm just, I'm just making fun because of no, how... Well, personalized this little package is. Well, and there's places where they will have, like, some of the alpaca stuff that I've gotten at that's one of true. the festivals around here will say the names of the alpaca. That's that true, from. that's true. Um, and it's 100% Yorkshire wool. And it smells of it smells, it like smells sheep. of sheep. English sheep. Minus the poo. <laughs> it smells nicely of lanolin and sheep and warmth and coziness. I'm huffing it right now. I'm just keeping a bag. Ma'am, are you sniffing glue? No, I'm sniffing yarn. Well, it's kind of like I, I keep stuff sometimes with, like, the blue moon. I'll keep it in the plastic bag. So that it has that smell. Because you can open it up and you can still smell the vinegar. 
Ah, citric acid. <laughs> Smells like yarn. Oh, another one of the other little things. I don't know if I... Oh, you would have seen these at New Year's. Yes, I saw Knitting Queen stitch markers. Yeah, I think she got them from the, the wool shop in Bath that she went to. And it's basically a little heart with a crown on it, and it says Knitting Queen. It's so cool. So as I said, I've, I got a lot of knitting done, including... I finished my plain stockinette socks. And they are pretty. In the Blue Moon Fiber Arts. Now, what colorway is that? Uh, Zine. That's right. Z-E-I-N. I have no idea how it's actually pronounced. Well, sounds about right. We somehow managed to find every pattern or yarn or something that has a name that we have no idea yeah, how to pronounce. Yeah, that's true. But yes, I finished those, and <laughs> I think I finished them like a week and a half ago, and I only just managed to sew in the ends yesterday. Things because happen. Because it's like, yay, they're done! Toss them in sock drawer, but, you know, don't actually weave in ends. I did the same thing with the with the uh, handsome mittens for forever and a day. I also finally finished my Ayana sweater. Yay! Yay! I didn't wear it here because the podcast room tends to be rather warm. It is. Eventually, especially when we close the door and, you know, the computer's going and we start talking. But I sewed it up on the 23rd, even, like, while I was doing stuff with family, like, watching stuff with family. So I actually had it to wear on Christmas Eve morning when I went to work. Way to go. I was like, yay, I have to go to work, but I have a nice sweater. I have yet to see this sweater, so. This might be the Snuffleupagus sweater. I will wear it. Okay, now that I've actually said Snuffleupagus sweater, do you think somebody would actually make a Snuffleupagus sweater where one of the arms is the trunk and they'll put, like, a big eye right on the shoulder and the rest of it is made with really long, fluffy, <laughs> like... I was well, thinking that would be made out of fun furry It would yarn. be fun furry stuff. It would be, like, a once-wear type thing for that much effort, but damn you it, You have to funny. wear it with irony, because I'm, like... I'm sorry, it's just... The fun fur sweaters, I'm sorry, but to me, they're pretty fug. I'm sorry, <laughs> the idea just popped in, that in case, my head. In that case, you would almost literally have skinned a Muppet. Yeah. It would, it would really look like you had skinned a Muppet. Yeah. So maybe not a good idea. You might traumatize young children. But since I finished stuff, and since I had finished the Viper Pilot socks a little while ago, I was looking for another project to work on that had some sort of complicatedness to it. And I really wanted to make the cowl out of the Tannis Fiber Arts iron weight that I got at the Purple Purple Pearl. Pearl. So New Year's Day, while we got together with everybody at the Starbucks of Requirement... Or Starbucks nine and, <laughs> nine three, quarters. and three quarters. I love that because basically the first time we went to gather there, someone mentioned it, and everybody, no one else knew that it was there. So they checked the Starbucks website, and it wasn't on the website yet. It had just opened. So we all, so a bunch of people were like, "Um, Katie, are you okay?" <laughs> The other thing is that it doesn't have that big Starbucks logo symbol that's circular. Yeah, it's it just has, a green sign that says Starbucks, Starbucks. Copy. Copy. But in let's, we, we were the muggles passing yeah. by on the platform. Yeah, so we've been joking that, like, it's the Starbucks of requirement, or, you know, you have to lean on the car dealership next door just the way. Yeah. Just the right way to get into it. But um, that seemed like a good place to cast on the 160-something stitches for the Strider cowl by Susan Pandorf. And it's part of her Fellowship of the Ring collection, which a few years ago she did the Even Star shawl yeah. as the first design in that collection, and that was a mystery shawl. So I'm doing the cowl, and it's got a little bit of a, I won't say lacy, it's more like an eyelet element to it, and cables that are inset in these little diamonds, and it's really pretty. And it's not a very difficult pattern to, to do. Like, I still have to, I have to keep an eye on the chart, but it's pretty easy. It's It starts to get intuitive. Yeah. I actually got quite a bit done. Like, I got a two good inches. portion. Like, let's say two-thirds of what Maggie sees here, which is maybe, like, two inches. Two-thirds of that I got done at Starbucks. Really? On New Year's Eve. Yeah, once cool. I finally cast on the right number of stitches. <laughs> or rather, once I finally had a long enough tail to do the long long tail cast on. I haven't worked on it a lot since then, because this week has been crazy at work. Oh, my God. Yeah, we, we know that we do say that a lot. 
but I can verify this week was balls for Karen's work. Yeah, because usually usually what happens is while the kids are out of school, we do special one-time programs. And then the week after, the story times start. Uh, this time, the story, story times started the same week as the last week the kids were out of school. So, and not to mention, like, one of the libraries, their heat broke the week before Christmas. Oh, that's bad. It was progressively getting colder and colder. I think Christmas Eve, they said it was like 60 degrees Fahrenheit in there. Uh, the week after, they had to close for the entire week because it was like 43 degrees Fahrenheit Wow, in there. Yeah. So, like, you have the closure. So when that branch opens the next week, it is crazy pants. And you have all the programs going on. And, yeah, it's just been insane. I brought the Strider cowl with me to Knit Night. And when people actually arrived, I started doing it. I did one pattern repeat. I did the chart once. Yeah, and that was Sideways. it. And I was like, why the hell did I bring this? What was I thinking? I knew I was going to be exhausted and that I would not have the brain for this. Why? So I put that away and took out the socks I've been working on. Do you have a name for these socks yet? Uh, not really. It's, it'll probably be something Potion Mastery because this is yarn that I dyed with leftover dye from the Potion Master stole. So it's black, green, and gray. Though... The green and the gray, I, I kind of wish the green was a darker green, because it and the gray sort of blend together. I am calling them the basilisk skin socks, because you know how it shed its skin and mm-hmm. just left a long trail? I, I could probably do something about Nagini, but that seems kind of cruel, considering. The really cool thing about these socks is that you manage to dye it in such a way that it's not just stripes, it's one very shallow swirl going all the way around. Yeah. It spirals. It's an, it doesn't really self-stripe per se. What it does is it spirals very shallowly. So a lot of the black, like say, so a lot of the colors end up overlapping with very little movement in each row. So basically it looks almost like it's self-striping, except as you can see when you look at it close up, like the, the stripes are sort of varying widths at different points because of where the that hatch of dye ended. That is, I think it's super cool. It looks pretty good for like, considering I just took the yarn and basically made a square out of the skein and sort of the north-south side I did in black and east I did green, west I did gray, just to see how it turned out. Yeah. I was like, ah, I got leftover you dye, just see what happens. Neato. I've got about like well, more than six inches, seven inches. I'm on the heel of it. Yeah. Basically. I started at the top. These are the ones I started with the, the square, the collage square. Oh, okay. DPNs. Yeah. Uh, I, I stopped and put them on a circular needle because I'm like, this is kind of annoying. <laughs> it's just not you. Yeah. I can still hold them and everything. It's just, they, they still, you know, sort of poke into my palm and, and it just seemed... They're just not you. Yeah. I think I have pretty much converted to magic loop, except, you know, unless I really have to do something with TPNs for some reason, like a very small circumference or something yeah. like that. And I actually knit them maybe about two inches of them during a movie the other day, though I had to stop because I dropped a stitch. Oops. I could feel that I had dropped the stitch and part of me was like very tempted to either like go down the little hallway to where the door was, because usually they have a light like right over that area of the hallway yeah or to you know make a little quick run to the bathroom with my project bag so that i could pick up the stitch and keep going but i was like eh, i'll stop here and one other thing that we both did yes we went to a spin in uh, at the fiber garden on the 28th in jordan village here in the niagara region yeah i think we've mentioned them before which i was the most novice spinner at yeah and you were kind of meebling <laughs> oh i think I'll, I'll leave this chair for one of the real spinners <laughs> <laughs> or, and after some goading, I finally got you to take out your spindle, spindle yeah. and your yarn and showed you how to do park and draft. Yeah, that made a lot of difference. It really did. I was able to, actually able to control the draft. 
yeah. after a little bit of practice with the park and draft technique. Yeah, and if you don't know what park and draft is, it's basically where you spin the spindle. It helps if you're sitting down and you sort of roll the spindle along your leg right. to sort of get it spinning. Then you clamp the spindle between your knees or basically hold it some other hand, right. not with some other way, not with your hands. And then you do the drafting with right. your two hands. While the spindle itself is stationary. So the twist climbs But the upwards. twist has gone into the yarn. You've put a lot of twist into the little segment of yarn that you have already created, and then you just draft and let that twist go up until it's evened out to where you want it. Wind that on, and then spin again. Right. Trap it and draft. And it's a good way so you, you can learn how to, how to draft and what works best and how to move your hands and where you should be pinching and stuff like that without have to worry about keeping it spinning, keeping it spinning in the right direction, that sort of thing. It was a learning experience. And I got to see everybody else spinning on their wheels. Very yep. pretty. Everybody arrived with a different wheel. And you managed to not buy anything. I didn't. <laughs> I only got one skinny arm. I've got these gift cards for these online stores mm-hmm. and stuff. I mean, it was a fun day. So, you know, we spent, basically we spend like, you know, three hours spinning and... We had coffee and tea. coffee and... Cookies. Nibbles. And it turned out that there was another geek there. Woohoo! So there might be someone else listening to us. Hi! It was nice to meet you. So speaking of geek, let's move on into Geek Squee. This is probably going to be... Let's just flash Sherlock over everything that we have right (laughs) now. Sherlock! Because... A couple different Sherlocks. A couple different Sherlocks. Sherlock is... Robert Downey is still in theaters right now. And that was the movie that you went to go see, right? Yeah, that was the movie I went to see and that I was knitting the sock in and dropped the stitch. Karen's... And decided not to try and pick it up because I didn't want to look away from the movie screen. Karen's statement about the movie was, shit got real in ten minutes. Yeah. I I will admit, I've not postponed seeing this movie because I don't want to see... I do want to see it. I have... I loved the first one. And I think I've already pre-decided that I love the second one. I've not yet seen it. I've already pre-decided. Yeah, you just had lots of stuff going on, and you have the whole consideration of, like, a full-time job and a small child and a husband that you have to work around. So, yeah, I I will get to see this, and I will probably squee about it when I do. Mm -hmm. So I should mention, spoiler alert! Spoiler starts here. Spoiler alert! I will put the time... Oh, and by the way, nobody feels sorry for me. I do not mind spoilers at all. Yes. I'm okay. She has assured me like three times she does not care about spoilers, so. But yeah, so here be spoilers. I will put the time in the the notes notes and in the the notes that come with the file so that you can see exactly when to, exactly when to come back. Spoiler alert! Yes. As I was saying, shit gets real. (laughs) Because, um, in the first ten minutes, Irene dies. What? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Irene Adler. Yeah. Shh. Shit. Yeah, like I said, shit just got real. No kidding. <laughs> and like one of our other friends and I were talking about this the other night, talking about the movie. And she, like me, the entire movie was like, "So is she gonna come back at some point?" Like you still sort of kept expecting her to pop up at some point, and it was gonna be like, "No, she managed to not die." Yeah, it was the pre- it was like the premise of the first movie. We saw somebody get hanged, die. Yeah. You know, pulse was checked, and he you know comes back later because yeah. of exotic. Tr- you know, plants and stuff like that. Yeah. And the movie gets later. And later. And she's not coming and back. And later, and you're then finally you're like, oh shit, she's really not coming back. Damn. Yeah. No wonder you said, oh, you went there. 
Yeah. Like, wow, you guys went there. In the first ten minutes. Yeah, because she's supposed to, like, give a letter to Moriarty, and Sherlock takes it, and she goes to meet Moriarty, and she's trying to play both of them, but... And she she takes a couple little precautions to try and... Because she knows Moriarty will, you know, could kill her at any moment. Well, Moriarty's a bit, you know, unstable. Yeah, but, uh... They don't work. No. No, they don't. Ouch! And especially sort of like, you think she might get away with it? And it's like, oh, no... No, she's not. She got schooled. Yeah. Damn. Moriarty brings this up with Sherlock later. Of course. Kind of, so there's some good acting with Robert Downey Jr. Of course, there's always some good acting with Robert Downey Jr. In one scene where it's like, oh dear God, I can't watch because you. He like goes through a ton of shit in this movie and it's like, oh, oh, ow. I, I just, oh, I can't watch. There's, there's a fish metaphor that goes through the movie and it gets a little literal at one point. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of scary. It's like, but obviously it was, with that sort of like, putting that sort of stuff on the table, it was really good, obviously. Of course, there's always the fun sort of bromance, as Michelle was calling it, between Holmes and Watson, especially because Watson ends up spending his honeymoon with Holmes, because of course Moriarty is going after everyone that Holmes cares about. Right. Including Watson. Watson. <laughs> but oh, by the way, you would ser- you would really appreciate Mary's wedding dress. Oh, really? It's really pretty. I'm it's like, ooh, I want that costume, and I want that costume, and I want that costume. Lovely. Yes, it was really pretty. And Mary is awesome in this. She's not in it very much, but she's super awesome. Like when they get attacked on the train at one point, she has taken Watson's gun, and she's like, why do you always carry this? She ends up having having the gun with her, or next to her, when they get attacked and stuff, and at one point she, like, points the gun at somebody, and she's all, like, super, she, I forget what the line is, but she's kind of badass. And then, like, once they've tossed the guy out of the train or something like that, then she starts kind of shaking and stuff, but I'm like, damn, Mary, you are awesome! And later <laughs> on, she does she does some awesome stuff, too. Good! Oh, uh, and, of course, as, you know, Stephen Fry mm-hmm. is in this one. No, wait, what? Yeah, I didn't know that. He plays Mycroft, Holmes's brother. Yes! No, I, I'm serious. I did not know that. I thought Michelle, maybe, oh, you might not have been, you probably no, weren't there I when Michelle them. was talking about it. No. Yeah. Duh. He plays Mycroft. Duh. And of course, he's Stephen Fry wonderful in it. Oh, there's, there's one scene where I'm completely nude. Okay, then. Oh, boy. You don't quite see, you see pretty much all of the back. You oh, don't boy. quite see all of the front. That, that's a lot more Stephen Fry than I yeah, needed. Yeah, that, that's more than Stephen Fry that I really needed to see. I wonder if he had a good time doing it. Oh, probably. <laughs> he was probably just like, oh, yeah, this is awesome, walking around the set with, like, no clothes on. Mycroft. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, of course, he's perfect as Mycroft. Like, of course. I think I, re- I remember reading an actual... Holmes stories, the Chronicles. He is the only, Mycroft is the only person that Holmes will admit has a superior intellect to him. Yeah. But Mycroft lacks the initiative and the endurance in a problem. Yeah. That Sherlock has. Yeah. Okay. And there's some great, there's some great scenes with him, especially when you first see him, where they're, it's almost like they're competing as to like what they're noticing or what yes. they can tell yes, about. Yes, that's what they did. Everyone in the room. Yes. It's hilarious. Oh my God. You can see they really do that, that, you know, sibling rivalry really well. And he's always getting pissed off at Sherlock for being Sherlock's twitchy little self. Oh, I'm getting aroused with this. <laughs> I must go see this movie. <laughs> Anytime you want to. This movie must be mine. Oh, yes, and you were speaking of, you know, reading the stories. Yes. If you have read the stories, certain parts of the ending will become clear, but not in the, oh, yeah, so I can see where this is going. It's the, oh, shit, they're going there. Another one of those. Yeah, because they're, at the very beginning, there's this little offhand comment by Mycroft about 
you know, the possibility of a some sort of peace conference in, you know, Reichenbach, Austria. Which I was like, I thought it was like, oh, okay, that's just a little, oh, ha, 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 little shout out to the stories. Yeah. No. And near the end, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. I know where this is going. Because <laughs> if you have read the home stories, oh, you know what happens. Oh, my gosh. And it was hilarious, too, because while we were watching the movie, you know, that big moment came, and I still don't want to really say it, because okay. it's too cool, but uh, that moment came, and some woman in the audience, there wasn't that many people there, because I went on a, uh, to a matinee on, like, a Monday, um, this woman, somewhere else in the theater was like, what? <laughs> like, really loudly, and there's part of me that wanted to, like, yell back, have you not read the stories? This should not surprise you. But yes, it's, Wow. It is made of win, and I, I actually, I kind of, I want to see it again so that I can spot all the little things. Didn't see the first time. That I didn't see the first time. Yeah. I always love seeing a movie the most on its second time. Yeah. Because then I can look for all of the key nuances that yeah. I know people put so much into. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's not quite to that level, but it's almost like, say, Ocean's Eleven, where it's only right at the end that you understand, was kind of understand what was going on the entire time, and then you have to watch it again, just so you can be like, oh, so that's what was going on, and <laughs> be like, oh my god, this fits together so perfectly. I'm in pain now. And I really... I need to see this. I, I think I really have to get the score for this one, because... Hans Zimmer did the score, again, who I love anyway. But there's a few moments in it where he took, like, classical music from the period mm -hmm. and sort of Hans Zimmerized them for the score. Nice. Yeah, with, like, like if you imagine, like, if anyone who's listening has heard his score for, like, the Batman, the recent Batman movies, elements of that music in, like, a Viennese waltz. Meh? It works really awesomely. Okay. It is okay. so cool. I believe you. <laughs> But yes, I really like the movie, and I really want to see it again. So, spoiler-free from now on. Spoiler you know, and over. spoiler alert. You can join us again. Welcome back. So, moving from the Robert Downey Sherlock over to the Cumberbatch Sherlock. Ah! By now, all the fangirls over in the UK have probably squeed to their heart's content. Yes. I have been seeing them do that on Twitter, and yes. I have been kind of like half like blocking my view of Twitter and scrolling fast, scrolling past really quickly so I don't get spoiled. This has become such a rampage epidemic. Also, in Benedict news, Benedict is going to be the villain for the next Star Trek movie. Oh my god, that's going to be awesome. And an interview was released just recently. Was it just today or yesterday or something yeah. like that? Unfortunately, he keeps saying, there's a lawyer here telling me not to tell you anything. Yes. They can't even tell us the name of the movie so far as just yeah. known as Star Trek 2. All we know is that he's the villain. We also know that Noelle Clark is in it. Mm -hmm. And if you're wondering who that is and why you should care or why it sounds familiar, cast your days back, Doctor Who with Christopher Eccleston. Yep. He played Mickey, which yep. was Rose's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Mickey grew up and has a hot body. And in the Star Trek movie, he plays a civilian that has a wife and daughter. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously going to be some sort of... Stakes. You know, Stakes and, yeah. you know, caring for and protection and stuff like that. Of course, it'll also be interesting to see if it involves any sort of makeup, because this is Star Trek we're yeah, talking about. This is Star Trek, yeah. I'm trying to imagine him with, like, a Klingon forehead. No, 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 <laughs> don't do that. Oh, don't do that. That's practically up there with someone else I can think of, which, you know, it's kind of up there with a certain actor who is in The Hobbit. Really? <laughs> which, of course, like, 
you know, this was a couple weeks ago. I'm sure everyone knows about it, but we still want to squee. Oh my god, Hobbit, Hobbit trailer! trailer. Oh, the song that they sing oh, in front of the god. fire. Oh yeah, my god. And, yeah, speaking of the actor I was thinking of, the one who plays Thorin Oakenshield. Yes. Richard Armitage. Yes. Originally, it looked like he had quite the unibrow. Which and would I was be like, dwarven. oh my god. Why? Yeah, I know he looks, like, they have a lot of things to give him dwarven makeup, but it's also like, why conceal the pretty? But thankfully, he also, you know, he does look, I think in the trailer, he does look better than he did in the still photos that I saw. And he sings in the trailer. Oh, it's so good. It just, oh my god. It and, just pulls out in this low roll that is so... Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's like chocolate testosterone yeah and just oh man whoever cut that trailer is a genius because just the way that they they show the scenes and then the very slowly this december yeah like two words it's like it's sort of like ramping up your expectations like oh my god yes i think i watched that trailer like four times in a row the night it came out which was kind of funny because like it came out on itunes and then like for some reason the links weren't working so there was this huge like twitter furor with people like trying to find links (laughs) that worked (laughs) I think one of them, Cleo Linda, who I've mentioned before, who has done, like, Twilight recaps and stuff like that. Yeah. She's also a big Lord of the Rings fan. And she was like, I forget exactly what she said, but she was something like, why are you teasing me? It doesn't actually exist, does it? <laughs> like, all caps. It was hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, oh god. And that moment when when they finish singing and the orchestra picks up the music and you see the scenery and it looks like Lord of the Rings and like oh my god goosebumps goosebumps every damn time duck dots and oh my god Martin Freeman looks perfect as a hobbit yes he does he looks like a hobbit I mean I'm sure we've mentioned this before I don't know if I we mentioned this on the podcast but sometimes when you see perfectly yeah when you see certain actors some of them just for some reason their their you know their facial features or their you know their body type or, you know, their expressions, their mannerisms, something about it when you see them in, like, a historical costume or, you know, again, a fantasy costume like this. Sometimes they just, there is just something, some je ne sais quoi about them that just seems to perfectly fit what they're doing. And he looks like a hobbit. He does. He looks like he was born to play a hobbit. We so have to go, like, opening night. We will go opening night. Yes, we will. (laughs) You are taking a day off work. I'll do whatever I have to do. (laughs) We can even go, I'm sure there's going to be a midnight showing, so. Speaking of Martin, this is a suggestion that is just going to be put out there and we'll see what the response is. This is the idea for a knit-along. You can find on Ravelry the pattern for Elementary Watson Socks. They are by Sherry Menton. They are free. And they are inspired by the sweater that Watson wears on the BBC show. So they basically contain, like, cables and traditional sort of Aran, like, knit and pearl... Yes. You do need to know how to cable. You need to know how to increase, make stitch... You know, yeah. make a stitch, a lifted stitch, and to knit and purl in the front and back loop. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And if you don't want to make socks, if you're not a sock knitter, then take a look at the stitches that they use, like the stitch patterns that they use, and do something. Like a hat. Creative with Mittens. Them. Anything. Let your let your creativity take you where you wherever you want to go. But this is just an idea. What do you guys think? Yeah, or let us know. Right about now with the whole Sherlock flaming everywhere. What do you think about doing a knit along with those socks? They are called or elementary. Or inspired by those socks. Or inspired by them. They're called elementary because apparently the pattern is really easy to memorize. So let us know what you think. And maybe when we get closer to The Hobbit, we'll knit some Lord of the Rings stuff. 
Ooh, as a yes. Along. Yeah, someone mentioned a dwarven battle bonnet. <laughs> I saw awesome. that. Or there's other sort of. I mean, you, there's any of the patterns from the from Susan Pandorf's different Lord of the Rings True. collections and stuff like that. I'm really curious to see because I saw her swatch or on her website or somewhere for the ring wraith shawl. Ooh. I am really, yes. really curious to I see how that see looks that because. One. Because from the look of the swatch itself, it doesn't have a perfect edge shape. It, its shape looks jagged and mm-hmm. irregular, and that is perfect, and I want yeah. to see it. So, moving from the world of Sherlock and the world of Lord of the Rings, and we're now going into Star Wars. Yeah, we hit Star Trek too, didn't we? So, yep. So now we're going to go to Star Wars. It's like some sort of like major fandom bingo. And right in the middle of that is France. So to celebrate the re-release of the Star Wars movies in 3D, this fast food chain in France made a Darth Vader burger and a Jedi burger. (laughs) No, I kid you not, I showed it to Karen. There are pictures. This actually exists. The Darth Vader burger has a black bun. No, 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 no. Listen to that. It has a black bun. Like, an entirely black bun. I don't want to think about how much dye they have to put in those yeah. things to get it dark. I mean, everything else about the burger, it, you know, the lettuce was green and the tomatoes were red and, you yeah. know, whatever, whatever. And it was sandwiched between, like, two clouds of black. Odd. That would be, that would be kind of a weird mental thing, too. Look, well, I've eaten cookies with, like, black icing and stuff on them. Yeah. But I don't know, it's still kind of different when it's, like, a burger bun. A burger bun. Which I is think, entirely black. I think savory food has a bit of a pre- predisposed place in our brains that they're supposed to be a certain color like gold and brown yeah. stuff like that which by the way the jedi burger is the jedi burger is predictably brown because that's what they wore but yeah. that's okay we like our burger buns to be nice golden brown we yeah can, we can deal with that yeah yeah the black one would be interesting i just wonder if my brain would be able to get over the whole like is it burnt is it going to do the choke hold on the way down <laughs> yeah we we're joking about does it does it you know, do the chokehold on the way down? Or does it choke you with heartburn afterwards? You go to the doctor, he does an x-ray, and all you see is this this hand doing the chokehold somewhere yeah, in the your... Force, the, well, you wouldn't even see the hand, because it's a force choke. You'd be to see the hand down in your stomach, and you, your trachea would be... Be closing. Closing, yeah. Take from that what jokes you will. Yeah. Darth Vader burger. It's one of those things, it's kind of a sick sense of humor sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm joking on one of these burgers, but... <laughs> How would you make a Darth Maul burger? You know, he's the one that had all the spikes on his head and the tattoos, of, the Sith tattoos on his face, black and red. How would you do that? Lots of ketchup. I guess. So actually, we mentioned Star Trek earlier. This thinks me of this. This reminds me of a segue, sort of. Um, <laughs> segue to something we talked about like ten minutes ago. Apparently, Microsoft is creating a wall that will give a glasses-free immersive experience that will change depending on the way a user moves in the room, and they have all sorts of sensors. And it, it doesn't involve like um, usually when you see motion sensor technology, people are wearing, like, ping-pong balls. Yes. Like a, a leotard with ping-pong balls on it. This would just use cameras and stuff to, like, monitor. You don't have to wear any special clothes. You don't have to wear any glasses. You don't have to wear like any that. clothes? Well, <laughs> you don't have to wear any special clothes. You Sorry. could not wear any clothes, period. And I'm sure at some point the technology will be used for that kind of thing. Yeah. Because, Sorry, you know, half the, the technological, you know, half the media advances have been made through the porn industry. But uh, it'll move what you see based on, like, the way you move, the way you look, that's where you're looking, that sort of thing. So it, it's kind of like a holodeck. <laughs> holodeck, holodeck! I mean, obviously it doesn't have the whole, like, you can touch things but in the room around you. But that, we're one you know, step closer. Yes. 
it's just a teensy bit closer, and it's still like an amazing virtual reality experience because you're not wearing clunky goggles and you know clunky gloves with wires and stuff all over them and as i said to karen earlier think of what this could do for the gaming industry yeah and then you mentioned including imagine playing pottermore with it or any of the harry potter games right and that's when my brain just kind of went explode i think i just sort of stared off into space for a moment. She dig it bright red for a like, while. Oh my god. Oh my god, that would be awesome. Somebody get on that. That would be... I... Oh my god, I can't even. Especially if they make it so that you can see other people that come into the game. Yeah. Everybody sitting in potions class together. Oh my god, yeah. That would be awesome. Passing notes to each other. If it was like internet... Is it Professor Snape hot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Snape is so hot. Now, if you really wanted to get... If they managed to get the real... Inter- that kind of interactive technology, it'd be kind of funny if, like, Snape could swoop over and see the message and be like, Detention, Miss <laughs> Shepard. Be like, yes, please. Oh, God, okay. Okay, we're getting too close to the penalty box here. <laughs> But yeah, that would be oh, that'd be awesome if it if you it was basically like a big MMO yeah. you play yeah it would be. online and you can imagine like what it'd be like with I was telling Maggie that you know it might cause more video game caused heart attacks because like if you're playing like Mass Effect or something and you're being shot at that could be rather stressful ah uh, well you know that's their problem especially if you kind of forget where you actually are. And actually, speaking of video technology, I have a couple really interesting video neat videos that I can quickly talk about, because, you know, obviously it's something that you need to see first. Uh, G4 has a video called Shit Nerds Say, <laughs> which, okay, I've seen, I will say, I've seen mixed responses to this. Some people feel it's more like laughing at, some people feel it's more like laughing with. Okay. You know, it depends on your perspective, and some people are like, this is, you know, very stereotypical, and blah blah blah. But there are parts of it which I found very true, like, mainly the the guy talking to his computer when it brings up, like, an error message or it phrases, and he's like, Really? Really? You're pulling this kind of shit? Really? Which uh, has kind of been me for the last week with Google Chrome. It crashed nine times today! That's not good. In like four hours total internet time. That's not good. Yeah, I've updated the version to the beta. But yeah, so it's it's quite funny and I'm sure, at, you know, you will fi- probably find at least something in there that is very you. Like I said, <laughs> talking to the computer? Definitely me. Yeah. And then one of the other really cool videos I found on YouTube, there's a user called Derdon1234. So D E R, like lowercase D E R, as in sort of the German word. Capital D O N1234. And he did a video of 100 years in 10 minutes. So basically, he goes through like all these events from the last 100 years of history in like a 10 minute span. He uses like, well, obviously, film, video, footage from each. And then he, you know, he says at the bottom exactly what they are. And there's music in the background, which, you know, doesn't hurt that it's the Batman score. <laughs> and it's really cool watching it and seeing, especially seeing like, holy crap, the 20th century was crazy. Yeah. Like also just, just in the fact that I'm sure like a lot of people have talked about this before, but like when you think about someone who was born in like 1910, or let's even say 1900, so that, you know, their sort of consciousness of what was going on yeah. is there within in like the 19 teens just how much stuff changed yeah over their lifetime like we went from being from using horses and buggies to going to the moon yep yes we did it's like or to you know to doing to surfing the web on a device that you hold in your hand yeah 
to be having the web to begin with. Yeah, to be to having your entire world being like for a lot of people, their entire world being like the town that they live in. Maybe a couple towns over. Yeah. With, you know, train service and stuff like that. To like being able to talk to someone anywhere in the world live, being able to watch a revolution yes. via Twitter. Sa- safely. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. Especially when you consider, like, how much really changed in the years before that. The centuries before that. So it's really interesting to watch this video and just see all the stuff that has happened. I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah, two world wars. God knows how many others. And there was actually, of course, I forgot to write this down, so I don't have the name of the person who did it, but I will find this and put this in the show notes. There was also a really cool video I saw, which actually made me kind of cry. And it was 2011 through tweets. So, like, going through all the major news things. Oh. Just through, like, Twitter mentions. And it's really, and it's, you know, with music and stuff in the background, it's, it's really quite moving. But like I said, I don't, I can't remember the name of the person, because of course I didn't think to write it down at the time. Oh, that's okay. It's the new year. I can see if I, I'll see if I can embed these videos actually on the site, or we now have a thread on the Ravelry group that is just cool stuff that yes. people have found. Yeah. Which, oh my god, speaking of Star Wars earlier, the Star Wars snowflakes. Holy <laughs> crap, those are awesome. Those are cool. Yeah, someone has made snowflakes in, like, the shape of Star Wars characters. I'll link to the actual site. Stormtrooper helmets. Yeah, or Darth Vader helmets. Yeah. Or, or it's, it's so cool. So check there. If you, ha- if you find something really cool, like, send it to us there. Send it to us on Twitter, at Knit1GeekTube. Or, you know, post it in the Ravelry group. Or email it to us. Comment section is still under major attack by spammers. <laughs> oh, dear. So... It's kind of hard for people to comment right now. But, you know, you can email us at knit1geek2 at gmail.com. Are you ready for Cravings, Covets, and Crushes? I believe so. Okay. The one thing that I did purchase at Stitch, which was our little trip after the Fiber Garden, was something that I had read about on Tannis's blog, and that is Tannis Fiber Arts. She had a gleaner, and she was... Absolutely thrilled to pieces with it. Yeah. G-L-E-E-N-E-R. And lo and behold, they had one in the store. So I decided to snatch it up for the benefit of the podcast, of course. <laughs> of course. Because, you know, I was going to be doing a test on it. It does come, it looks like a handle and it's got two ends. Basically one end looks like a razor. Like imagine that shape. But the bottom of it has another sort of blob on it. An, an oval of some sort. So it comes with three, I'm going to use your term, razor ends. It's more and like they have little teeth. Yeah. I even read the instructions and I thought, okay, read well... Read the instructions? Oh my god! Well, reading the instructions <laughs> didn't help me this time. Because this is number one, and this is supposed to be for the big, you know, obvious pills, and, and I decided I would start with this one first. Yep. This one nearly pulled stitches straight out. Eh. Point to every but you know, just letting you guys know if you get one of these. The size number one head for the gleaner, the one that looks like fine chicken wire wrapped around it, this will pull at the stitches. Yeah. So you might want to, you'll probably want to use a light hand. Yes. To begin with. If you use this at all. So I moved from this to number two and did a test. I have my... And number two feels like sandpaper. Yeah. And number three probably more so. Yeah. This is my Girls Friday cardigan. Yep. That I knit out of knit picks swish. Okay, fine. So okay. and here I've only done one arm, but you can see a difference. Wow, yeah. Now granted I've only used this a little bit and it does yeah. you know, I'll probably get better. So you can see a little bit here versus here. Yeah. There's still a very slight fuzziness to the side that you've gleaned. Yeah. 
But the other side, there are, like, obvious pills and much more fuzziness on it. It has really taken off a lot of the stuff. It, it actually made a small furry animal. You are supposed to go with the grain. Yeah. So if we want to, we can do this. Sorry for the effects, the sound effects. Yeah, that, that's pulled off quite a bit already. So you do have to be patient with it and probably go in little segments. Yeah. But... To me, this works better than a lot of the little 6 or $7 defuzzers that you get at yeah. stores and such. Yeah. Uh, what I'll have to do is I might have to bring over my Central Park hoodie. Yeah. And see how And I'll bring does. over my sweater stone. Okay. And we can do sweater stone on one side of the back, especially because the back, I think, is mostly stockinette. So we'll do sweater stone on one half of the back, gleaner on the other half of the back. And see what works. Yeah. And try and post pictures. And obviously you will get different results with the different calibers of yarn that you're using. And it, yeah, it probably depends on how much your yarn pills anyway. Yeah. Because if your yarn just fuzzes a little bit, then, you know, you wouldn't want to use the big one anyway. This other end is sort of like the polisher. Yeah, the other end looks like, it's basically like one of those, I have a brush that has the same stuff that you use to get like lint and cat hair. Yeah. It's like a lint remover. Yeah. So there's that. Has anybody else found a gleaner and have a similar or different opinions or experiences? Let us know. Yep. If anyone else has reviews, let us know. Especially if, you, if you've been using it longer than we have. I have something, which I think I might have mentioned on the podcast before, but which I now have in my hot little hands. One of the things I got for Christmas was the Knitter's Life List book. 1,001 Inspirations for Every Knitter, 122 Techniques and Tips, 69 Styles and Traditions to Explore, 64 Personalities to Meet, and 33 Yarn Fibers to Try. And basically... 33? Yep. My God, I've never... Yeah. I don't think I could name 10. Basically, it's split up into 11 chapters, and each chapter has a list. So there's the yarn, life list as the first chapter, know-how, sweaters, socks, scarves, hats, gloves and mittens, bags, kids, home decorating, and fiber lovers. And when you look at each chapter, like I said, it has a long checklist of things to discover, things to try and learn, places to go. And each one has a little arrow with a little circle in it for you to check off. Nice. So you can go through and you can check off all the things you have done or, you know, all the things you you continue to do. And then in each chapter, it has lots of information. Like just looking in the yarn section, it starts talking about different kinds of fibers. Oh, look at him. Oh, my God. The cashmere coat. It's got, it looks like a sheepdog. It does. With little dreadlocks. But, you know, cashmere, mohair, angora. So many wools, so little time. And then it has profiles of different people. It talks about, you know, it then goes into, there's a little section on different independent mills, like Green Mountain Spinnery or Quince and Company. And I mean, obviously this is the sort of book you'll want to take a look at it and see, is this something I want to buy? Because I've seen some people reviewing it and saying, like, well, I'm, a, I'm an experienced knitter and I don't feel like I really need this. You know, or you might be a very new knitter or a fairly new knitter, but no, you want to really commit to trying a whole bunch of stuff. And this would give you sort of a a way to try things instead of discovering things randomly. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, I kind of wanted it because, I mean, I've done a lot of knitting and stuff. So, I mean, there's quite a bit of stuff in here I'll be able to check off. But there's obviously going to be some stuff that I haven't done. And, I, you know, it looks like it'll be fun to just read the, the information-y stuff. But, like, for the stuff that I haven't done, I was thinking of it kind of like kind of like taking a course in something where you have done some of it on your own. So it's in, like an intermediate course. Yeah. So, like, well, like, I'm thinking, I've been thinking of going back to school and getting my master's. That's right. Or at least doing a library tech right. community college course. Which, because, I mean, I've worked in a library for six years, so obviously there's a lot of stuff about working in a library that I know. But I know there is stuff in different areas 
that I just haven't been exposed to. I know certain big areas that I haven't done things in, like cataloging, but there's also probably stuff like, you know, reader's advisory and things like that, where because I have learned on the job, my knowledge is probably still kind of patchy. There are probably holes. So like, this looks like a really cool way to look through and be like, okay, I actually think I'm going to try this. And it has a lot of instructions and things in it. Like I'm looking at the socks and it has, you know, instructions for Kitchener and sewn bind offs and different kinds of toes. So it looks like a really fun book and I have barely scratched the surface of like reading it because as you can see it is big yeah and it's very comprehensive <laughs> there's a lot of text this is not a picture book there are a lot of pictures well, there are a lot of pictures but i mean but there's also a lot of text with there's it. a lot of text there's actually oh there's actually a section called explore lost in a good book which has lists of books that involve knitting and fiber so yeah this might be one that you want to take a look at and see you know if it's might be an addition a useful addition to your bookshelf. Anything else? Uh, I think anything else could wait, probably. Yeah, because we have talked a lot. Because yeah. we were gone for a while. Yeah. Sorry, guys. You know, stuff happens. Yeah. It was the holidays. But we're back! And we will be back next week! Same bat time, same bat, bat channel. channel. Same bat RSS feed. Okay. <laughs> so, alright, you guys. We do hope that your holidays were safe and happy, and that you had a happy new year. And that 2012 continues to be good, or it becomes good, for everybody out there. Alright, well, we will see you next week! Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar for our microphone fund, you can visit us at knit1geek2.mtpockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1 G-E-E-K 2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also comment on our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek 2. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com slash knit one geek 2. Have a good week, everybody.